Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, uh, recording this on March 10th, 2021, uh, about 11.10 a.m. So yeah, um, never a dull moment in Iowa athletics. <laughs> um, uh, getting ready for uh, Big Ten tournaments this week, uh, then also uh, wrestling nationals the following week and march madness starts and all that and now we're talking about retired numbers uh <laughs> again so um just kind of uh timeline here uh sunday after iowa beat wisconsin at home iowa announced that it was retiring uh retiring the number of luca garza um which makes a whole lot of sense. Guy's all-time leading scorer, two-time national player of the year, two-time Big Ten player of the year. All You guys all know the honors. Um, and that caused a uh, lot of celebration in, in Hawkeye Nation, as it should. Um, a lot of people um, sharing memories and thoughts on Luca. Uh, as I tweeted earlier this week, uh, one of the most humble athletes that's a star that I've come across in uh, – this is my 24th year covering Iowa athletics. Uh, be 25 years in the fall, so uh, yeah, I'm old. So <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, got some issues going on here with my computer. Hopefully, this thing is recording. Uh, I believe it is. But um, yeah, so. Anyway, fast forward to, I believe it was Monday night, March the 8th, it would have been. Um, somebody had tweeted at Devin Marble about how he felt about what was going on with Iowa basketball. He tweeted back that uh, he doesn't, basically he doesn't care about Iowa basketball um, in response to somebody who tweeted at him. Now, if you go back, when I when Garza broke Roy Marble, Devin Marble's dad's all-time Iowa scoring record, and that happened uh, several weeks ago against Penn State, uh, there was a tribute video after that achievement, after that game, of former Hawkeyes 
acknowledging the record and congratulating Luca. Really cool thing. Uh, but Devin Marble was absent from that, as were anybody from the Marble as as was anybody from the Marble family. And that raised it. Certainly, I was certainly surprised by it. Um, and uh, I know some fans had reached out to me. I had talked to some other members of the media. We had reached out to Devin prior to that record going down, uh, his dad's record being broken, um, and really with no response. And uh, so it, it kind of you were kind of wondering how he was feeling about it anyway. Um, and back in 2015, athletic director Gary Barta said they weren't going to retire numbers. They were going to uh, construct a display in Carver-Hawkeye Arena that honored men's and women's basketball players wrestling. It's kind of, kind of like a mini Hall of Fame, if you will, within Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Six years later, nothing has been done on that. Nothing's been discussed on that. Uh, Gary Barta did meet with the media yesterday, Tuesday March the 9th, and um, apologized to the Marbles. I think Gary missed out on maybe misspoke. He, he misspoke in saying that, um, you know, they weren't going to retire numbers anymore, not knowing that Megan Gustafson and, and Luca Garza were going to come along and do what they did. So he kind of put himself, painted himself in a corner back then by saying they weren't going to retire numbers. They were just going to have this mini hall of fame if you will well that never got built now two numbers have been retired um i think devin kind of uh and again nobody's spoken to devin at least publicly maybe somebody in the basketball program or athletic department have spoken to him at this point um but you know it, i i don't think knowing devin that he would um he, he, he would begrudge Luca Garza having his number retired. I think his frustration comes with what was said by the athletic department and then what was done by the athletic department. Um, so I'm looking at this. Jeff Willems, uh, and uh, I mentioned Jeff before. Uh, Jeff um, lost a wager to me. Uh, for Iowa men's basketball finishing in the top six. Iowa finished third this year in the Big Ten. Uh, Jeff had them finishing seventh or lower. Uh, we had a $500 bet to the UI Children's Hospital. Jeff has paid that up, and I appreciate that and respect him for doing that. Um, passionate fan of Iowa sports. But he asked his question to the mailbag today, Marble Family in Iowa, what gives? And that's kind of what I'm explaining here, so I'll just address this with, uh, with Jeff now. And, uh, you know, Jeff's question now is kind of what I'm going through here. Um, so, you know, Fran McCaffrey, head coach of Iowa basketball, addressed this yesterday. Um, Gary Barter addressed this yesterday. Um, it, it was another misstep in the athletic department, and uh, it shouldn't have got to this point. Um, if Gary Barter didn't reach out to – Devin Marble or his family prior to retiring these numbers and explaining himself, then that's a mistake on his part. Um, it's also a mistake on his part not to have constructed that, uh, you know, Hall of Fame, and that's just for lack of a better term, or, you know, area of Carver Hawkeye Arena where they're going to honor former players uh, for women's basketball, men's basketball, 
you know, volleyball, whatever, uh, wrestling. But he, he missed out on that opportunity uh, to do that. And you can say, yeah, well, the pandemic the last year. It's been six years since he said he was going to do that, and he's not done it. Um, and that almost was put out there um, to, you know, satisfy people when, when the Roy Marble retiring of the number topic came up and there were people on both sides of it and, and Roy has not had, you know, may he rest in peace. He, he died of cancer a few years ago and uh, several years ago. And uh, he had his ups and downs like most of us in life. And people pointed at that as maybe a reason why they shouldn't retire his number. Um, but he was the all time leading scorer at the school for 30 years. Um, and then they had a ceremony for him, uh, you know, after it was, he was diagnosed with cancer and it was, he was having a tough battle with that and they wanted to do something to honor him. So they did that um, at a basketball game and uh, gave him a, a framed jersey. The jersey was not from his era. It was from like the early 2000s. Some people pointed out that that as being disrespectful I don't know if Roy felt that way. I don't know if Devin felt that way. Um, it was a very short two-minute ceremony, um, and some people thought that that wasn't enough to really honor Roy after all these years. In fairness to Gary Barta, Bump Elliott didn't do anything. Gary or uh, Bob Bowlesby didn't take any action to retire Roy's number, um, and then it kind of fell on Gary Barta's lap. But Gary Barta did not handled this very well um, just from a PR standpoint, <laughs> shockingly enough. Um, so that's kind of where things stand. Hopefully, um, and Fran talked about this yesterday, hopefully they can uh, work through this, you know, to a degree with Devin and find out, you know, kind of where he stands and explain themselves. And Gary did that publicly yesterday in a press conference prior to um, – Prior, prior to Fran McCaffrey and the players talking with the media. So it was good that he got out in front of it there, um, you know, and, and, and uh, addressed that. And so that was good to see. We'll see what, what comes of this. Hopefully there's Gary, you know, carries through on his word and um, goes and um, – constructs that area in Carver-Hawkeye Arena where, the, where Roy can be honored and all the basketball history can be honored. Um, and we'll, I'll talk about this more with, uh, with uh, Scott Docterman tomorrow on our Hawkeye Hotspot podcast here on the Hawk Fanatic feed. Um, but that's really – there's not really much more to say on it than that. Um, and – you know, we'll kind of see what happens here. Hopefully the things can be prepared here or repaired here. Um, you know, there, there are too many really outstanding former Iowa athletes who are now no, not associated with the program. You know, I think of Ronnie Harmon. I think of Darrell Johnson, Julianos, um, other guys that have gone through issues here. Uh, with the administration, administration of the football and basketball programs that University needs to do a better job of recognizing its history and then also keeping strong ties and relationships with former players. 
not just guys that reach out and, and ask them for things, but need to do that more um, uh, proactively. So hopefully that help, helps. Hopefully, uh, you know, the relations between the Marbles and the University of Iowa are repaired. I think, I don't think Devin has any animosity towards Fran McCaffrey or the Iowa coaches that he played for here. Um, and I think that, if Fran can get to him and contact him and talk about this after the season. It's unfortunate timing, too, with the Big Ten tournament coming up. Uh, Iowa starts play on Friday um, in the quarterfinal round, um, and then the NCAA after that. And, and Iowa's ranked fifth going into the postseason. Just a, That's where the focus should be. Unfortunately, the ball was dropped by Gary Barton and the Iowa administration here in terms of relations and that's you know unfortunately that's that's kind of where how this thing evolved and where we're standing at now so anyway um well i'll talk more about that with uh with scott document tomorrow and get his thoughts i know he wrote about it at the athletic um but i'm going to move on from that for now uh martin banks at MMMM Banks on Twitter asks, why does Fran refuse to use multiple screeners on the pick and rolls? Jordan and JT coming off a double with Garza, Joe, Keegan, Pop, and Drop seems nasty. Also, how the F is Connor getting more minutes than Keegan? Um, last part first, uh, that Connor is an experienced player. Keegan is not an experienced player. Connor is conditioned to play more minutes. Keegan is learning how to play more minutes. I don't have a problem with minute, minute distribution. Obviously, people, uh, you know, there's going to be a faction of the fan base and onlookers that don't understand what Connor brings to the table um, in terms of running the offense, being a multiple position defensive player, um, feeding the post, uh, as, as well as anybody in the country to the best player in the country. Uh, just different aspects of this that we've talked about where, you know, underappreciated aspects of Connor's game. And that's not a knock on Keegan. Get him as many minutes as you can. He affects the game in a positive way whenever he's in there in various ways, um, you know, from rebounding to defense uh, offense is coming along, but he, he does those little things that you need. So um, definitely get him as many minutes as possible. Hopefully Joe Wieskamp isn't out to get him those minutes. Uh, that would be unfortunate. Fran said Joe is day-to-day, -day, did not practice yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, so we're two days away from game, or three days away from game, two more practice days before the game, uh, and he still has not practiced. Uh, we'll see how that sprain, sprained ankle comes along. Uh, the one he rolled uh, on Sunday against Wisconsin. I think ideally you want to get him back for the NCAA tournament, uh, but you also want to, you know, if he's able to go in the Big Ten tournament, you want to put him out there, um, obviously, as one of your best players. Um, in in um, response to the first part of your question, Martin, why does – Fran refused to use multiple screeners on pick and rolls. I don't think he refuses to do it. It's not how he runs his offense. He likes to spread the floor a little bit more and get his players um, uh, open looks that way. Um, 
So I certainly um, see your point, and I think that could work as well. Um, but these guys are used to the offense that they run um, and used, used, used to the, the single screener and coming off of that and motion to get open and spreading the floor and getting the ball inside the Luka and getting it out from the, the post to open shooters. Um, there's a lot of ways to take advantage of what Iowa's best assets are, which are a dominant post player and multiple three-point shooters on the outside. I think Iowa's done a pretty good job of utilizing that as one of the best offensive teams in the country, uh, top five offensive efficiency all, all year, um, pretty much in the top one or two most of the year. So it's hard really to criticize the, what they're doing offensively a whole lot. Again, I see your point, and I think that it could work, and it certainly probably would work, uh, but they're comfortable doing what they're doing and uh, there's no need to fix what's not broken. So that's how they're going to roll with that. Uh, e at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014 on Twitter, a, uh, a frequent contributor to the podcast, asked, what should the criteria be for retiring on Iowa basketball number or jersey, and why have some jerseys no numbers been unretired, number 10, et cetera? Yeah, so this, I didn't address this at the top of the podcast, but this is a really good question, E. Um, there is, there, there are two, and it's confusing, but Iowa retires jerseys and also retires numbers. There are certain guys whose numbers are retired, meaning nobody, no future players can wear that number. You can also retire a jersey, which is kind of what we've talked about, uh, Scott Dockman and I talked about on the Hotspot podcast. I don't know why this isn't done more. You retire the jersey and you put it up into the rafters of Carver Hawkeye Arena. You put a nice spotlight on it. You have a ceremony. You honor the player. People come into the games. They can see that jersey when they're in. They can look in the rafters, boom, you know, memory, history, all the good stuff that goes along with that. You don't have to specifically retire the number. You honor the player by putting his jersey in the rafters or her jersey in the rafters. And you, players, other players can still wear that number. Now, I think when you're talking about somebody like Luke Barza, I, I think it makes sense to retire the number. That's, that's the highest honor by saying, hey, nobody can wear 55 again. This guy's our all-time leading scorer, two-time national player of the year, two-time Big Ten player of the year. All those honors that haven't happened before in Iowa history makes a whole lot of sense for that. Um, Coming up with criteria um, is difficult because it's a fluid, uh, you know, the game is fluid. It changes over the years. There are different parameters. Uh, does somebody have to be a first-team All-American? Does somebody have to be multiple-time Big Ten, uh, All-Big Ten, a Big Ten player of the year? Um, it's hard to say what would constitute retiring somebody's number, but I would put the criteria for that at a very, very high level. There are only certain a certain there are only certain amount of numbers available to wear. You can't make it so you're just retiring a bunch of numbers and then nobody has a number to wear anymore. People are wearing like 79 and 88, and it looks ridiculous. So I, I think you have to set the bar at retiring a number very high. National Player of the Year, yeah, I think that qualifies, uh, being as Iowa's had one in the history of its program. 
<laughs> in Luca Garza. So that certainly makes a whole lot of sense. Same with Megan Gustafson. She's the National Player of the Year. That's the highest honor you can have um, over time. Hall of Fame, you know, College Basketball Hall of Fame, um, that certainly is something that I think you could put in the criteria. But you have to make it really, really hard to achieve having your – your jersey number retired. Uh, that would be my thought on that. And, you know, going back to Roy Marble, uh, Roy was never first team all Big Ten. Um, he's, he was, the longevity of his career and the steadiness of his career was his greatness more than having, you know, one outstanding year. And he was surrounded by really great players too, which made, the fact that he scored all those points even more impressive because the, you know, the wealth was spread out a little bit more with B.J. Armstrong and Ed Horton and guys that were also scoring points and, and accumulating statistics. So um, Roy is certainly – I think Roy is deser- deserving of having his jersey retired, meaning raised number 23 up into the rafters, put a spotlight on it, but other players can still – in the future can still wear that number 23. That's what I would do. Um, and, and this is this is way overdue. I should have been doing this years ago, putting numbers up into the, in, in the rafters of Carver Hawkeye Arena, putting jerseys up in the Carver, up in the rafters of Carver Hawkeye Arena. Excuse me, with spotlights so people can see that, and having those cer- ceremonies through the years uh, to be able to do that for for players and recognize them and honoring for, for them for what they've given to the university, which is a whole lot. So. Um, now I have another question here, one more that I haven't. Let's see here. Oh, bear with me, folks. Sorry, this doesn't make for a good podcast, but uh, I have a friend of mine, my puzzle buddy, who um, doesn't always, or doesn't use the hashtag very often, but I don't want to forget him if I'm able to find this. And I'm not able to find it. But basically what he asked, and I'll look, I'll look to see what his exact question was, was basically looking ahead to next year for men's and women's basketball and what comes back and kind of what, um, you know, the forecast is for those teams. I'll start on the women's side. The women's side, they – they say goodbye to only two seniors uh, who haven't played much this year. Alexis Civilian, uh, who, who was a starter last year, actually, but some of the younger players uh, surpassed her and got more playing time uh, moving forward this year. So she has not played as much. And I'm going to bring up the roster here just so I don't speak out of turn. Um, so civilian will move on, but most of the or all of the players in the women's rotation this year uh, will be back next year. Um, so that that bodes well. I mean, you've got Caitlin Clark coming back, who is a uh, got a good has a good opportunity to win freshman of the year. Paige Bookers Beckers, I'm not sure how she says her last name from UConn, uh, is the other uh, contender for that. Gabby Marshall's back. She started this year. Monica Sinano, a first-team All-Big Ten pick, is back next year. Her backup, 
Uh, Shannon Goodman, a freshman, is back. Kate Martin, a sophomore starter, is back. Um, Zion Sanders is the other other senior. So Zion and Alexis Civilian both will move on after this year. but everybody else in the rotation, including, you know, McKenna Warnock, who's a starter. Uh, Megan Meyer comes back next year. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, with everybody coming back in that rotation next year, Iowa should be in really good shape. You know, a team that's probably looking at, oh, I'm going to say seven to nine seed in this year's NCAA tournament, I would say, is probably – you know, uh, a reasonable um, projection. Um, And that means you're probably going to play a one seed in that second round. So you're going to be up against it. Probably, you know, a UConn, Stanford, uh, South Carolina, one of those teams. So uh, it's (laughs) So you'll have earned it, but it's going to be a really good experience, however it shakes out for – for this team because this team is a team that I think this wasn't the year after the losses the last few years of Gustafson and, you know, Doyle and all the other players that came through here the last few years um, that have moved on to professional basketball. Um, You know, this was going to be in some way a rebuilding. And I think, that Iowa and Coach Lisa Bluter have done a good job in rebuilding um, this program. And I think when you're in a rebuilding year and you can still get to the NCAA tournament as a, as a fairly good seed and have two first-team All-Big Ten picks, um, that's really solid. And not to um, forget, Iowa also signed – three players in its 2021 recruiting class that will join the program next year. Uh, Sydney Affalter, I think her name is pronounced. Sydney Affalter, she's from Chicago Marist, the 5'11 guard. Um, A.J. Ettinger, a 6'2 forward from Hudsonville, Michigan, will join the squad. And then Addison O'Grady, a 6'4 forward center from Aurora, Colorado, will come in. Uh, in next year's class as well. And all of these, all of these um, ladies are highly regarded. Uh, it was a good class for, for Iowa. Uh, I think uh, ESPN had it ranked 20th in the country, which isn't top level, but Iowa's adding players to an already loaded roster. So, um, you know, that's a pretty good class when you know you're having your targeting players that um, – that, you know, are coming into a loaded program already. Sometimes it's tough to recruit when, you you know, when when the recruits know that uh, there may not be a ton of playing time their first year. So this is a good group coming in that should really support the group that's coming back. And we'll see, maybe some of them emerge from the pack and uh, help next year's team can get into the rotation. As far as on the men's side, Bring up their roster now. I should know this anyway, but I will bring it up. Peyton Sanford is the only, to this point, the only 2021 recruit that will be joining uh, Iowa's uh, roster next year as a scholarship player. He comes from Waukee. Uh, he's more of a wing uh, in the Joe Wieskamp mold. Uh, so with 
losing Luca Garza and losing Jordan Bohannon, and at least if I was asked to bet on it right now, I think Joe Wieskamp is also going to move on uh, to professional basketball. So those will be the three guys that I will be replacing in 21-22. And those are obviously enormous shoes to fill with Garza, Bohannon, and Joe Wieskamp. So what you're going to need is, you know, you've got C.J. Frederick and Connor McCaffrey coming back as starters. You would expect that those guys would start again. And then how do you add into that? I think Keegan Murray is obviously the third guy of that group that – He's started some games this year, and we'll move into the starting lineup. Fran has said that Jack Nungie will be back. He hopes by sometime this summer uh, from the meniscus repair in his knee. You figure if he's, you know, of good health, he will be the starter in the middle. And then that leaves one position open. Is it Patrick McCaffrey? Uh, is it Aaron Euless? Is it Joe Toussaint? Uh, is it Tony Perkins? There are a lot of options there. I know Chris Murray's been really progressing uh, this winter in terms of improving his game. Josh Agundale, uh after a slow start and arriving this summer, has gotten better as the season's gone on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's um, a lot of potential with this roster. It's kind of like where the Iowa women were the last few years, losing Gustafson, Doyle and company. Iowa's losing a huge – Iowa men's basketball is losing historically good players after this season, and how can it recover? Is it, has the program gotten to a point uh, where the, the rebuild is, is kind of a reload, and Iowa's – unlikely to be a top 10 team again next year, but can it be a top 25 team? Can it still make the NCAA tournament? Can it still get a decent seed in the NCAA tournament? I think all of those things are possible with the roster that comes back, Um, but you got to do it. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, you know, there are players that can, uh, you know, replace, um, replace, you know, Luca Garza or fill the role or, you know, um, they can, you know, make up that difference, you know, by volume and spread it out. And that's probably the case here. Um, you're going to probably have to uh, do that. It's going to be more spread out. You're not going to have one guy that is as dominant as Luca Garza. We may never see that again uh, while we're around. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of talent on this team that as a whole, they can win basketball games with spreading the wealth a little more, the statistics spread out a little bit more. Um, there's some, I mean, you, you think about Frederick, Connor McCaffrey, and Joe Toussaint, and even Aaron Lewis. I mean, those are four really high-level distributors of the basketball. Keegan Murray, I think, will become that much better of a it, 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 the, the Smaller parts of his game, the, the, the um, kind of the intangibles, uh, you know, rebounding, I guess that's not an intangible, but some of those skills that people don't maybe latch onto as much, block shots, rebounding, uh, getting loose balls, um, doing things that really good teams need to do to win. Um, you know, he, he has that ability. The, really, the next step for him is getting stronger, 
and then, you know, expanding his offensive game, being able to shoot from three consistently, finding a mid-range game, doing some things around the basket where he's a little stronger going to the rim. I noticed as the season went on this year, some of the stronger physical guys in the Big Ten were able to knock him off his spots, push him away from where he likes to shoot. He's got to get into the weight room and be able to counter that. And knowing his dad, Kenyon, he will have him in the weight room and working on expanding his game. And I think sky's the limit for, for Keegan Murray. So look forward to seeing his growth and his brother's growth and a lot of the growth from the other players on this team. Because uh, I think next year could be a really good year too. And, and just it's going to look different. It's going to look different. We've gotten used to us, particularly in the last two years of, of Luca Garza dominating and leading this team. Now it's going to be interesting to see who steps into that role next year. And I did not find the tweet that asked about that, um, what, what, you know, projecting what Iowa men and women's basketball will look like next year. But I know it was from Mel, my puzzle buddy on Twitter. Um, and I know that wasn't the question word for word that you asked Mel, but um, I know that was the general idea of your question. And uh, hopefully that answered it. And I don't see anything else in the queue. I've been kind of all over the place this week covering high school track and trying to cover this Iowa stuff. So if I missed anything, I apologize. And if you guys can bring it to my attention, if you listen to this and I didn't answer it uh, or ask again using the HFMail hashtag, I will hit it next week. I, I Hopefully next week we can move this back to Tuesdays. I had done that last week. I like it on Tuesdays better than Wednesdays because it spreads out the podcasts on our feed a little bit more, uh, but was busy yesterday and was unable to record. So hopefully I'm not confusing you guys too much and we'll get back at it hopefully on Tuesday next week uh, and move forward on Tuesdays after that. No promises, but that's the plan. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the questions. And we will talk to you again next week.